Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Do you know that you're a Christian? Do you have a confidence that you are headed to heaven when you die? Do you have a confidence that you will finish the race of the Christian life well? We cover a lot of those questions with the term of assurance. Do you have assurance of your salvation? And we're going to look at a chapter today that says some critical things about that, things that maybe might frighten us that we can think through, and also things that should encourage us as we think through the topic of assurance. And we're going to see that in Hebrews chapter 6 today. Now, I want to start as we look at Hebrews chapter 6 with some things that can sometimes frighten us. This is a passage that is very intense. Um, And we want to ask some questions about this. And I think sometimes this raises uh, some right concerns in people. And sometimes we can get uh, scared in a way, I think, by this passage that is not intended uh, by the Lord uh, through this passage. At the beginning of Hebrews 6, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So this is one of the warning passages in Hebrews. And it's warning specifically about those who have had experience uh, around the Christian faith. It even talks about they've shared in the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the heavenly gift. They've tasted the goodness of the word of God, but then they have fallen away. And it says that uh, it is impossible for them to be restored to repentance. Now, that can be a very frightening passage, and that's where we need to realize there is a real warning there, because there are those. It kind of reminds me of the rocky soil, right? They hear the message, they embrace it, they instantly spring up, but when persecution comes, there's no root, and it withers away. There is a real warning of those who, who may taste of the goodness of the things around Christianity, but they never fully embrace it, and then they fall away. And here it's saying that's a dangerous thing, because it's impossible to restore them to repentance, and also it's a serious thing because it says they are crucifying once again the Son of God. Uh, I I mean, it's, it's bad when anybody doesn't believe the gospel, but those that have tasted and then reject the gospel, uh, that is an extra affront to God. So this is a serious warning passage, but I want to warn us about misapplying it in a couple ways. Sometimes uh, maybe you have a fear. Oh no. What if, what if that's me? What if I did something to offend God? Have I crucified the son of God again? And now is it too late for me? Is it impossible for me to be saved because I've done something? Well, I know many people who have thought thoughts like that. 
And that's where there's a key phrase I want you to look at in the passage. It says, it does not say um, that it's impossible for these people to be saved. It doesn't say that God won't listen to them. It says that it is impossible to restore them again to repentance. Okay, that they are not going to repent is the problem with these people. So if you are somebody who is saying, I want to follow God, I want to seek him, and you're expressing repentance, well, then you are not who Hebrews 6 is talking about. Um, Because we, we know from scripture, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus says, hey, anyone who comes to me, I am not going to cast them out. What this passage is saying, hey, these people who have tasted and fallen away, they're not going to come to him. They're not going to call on the name of the Lord. So don't let this passage create a fear in you of, oh no, I if I repent, God's not going to listen to me. No, God listens to repentance. God saves those who call on him. The warning of this passage is you're not going to repent if this is you. Another way we need to be careful not to misapply it, I think this is one of those times where we have to be careful that we can't know, we can't see what's going on in other people's hearts. And so the warning I'm trying to say here is don't write off other people. And be very, very careful about that. If you see somebody that, hey, it's, it looks like they taste the Lord. It seems like they were coming to church. Maybe they even made a profession of faith. And now oh, I haven't been seeing them. Are they walking with the Lord still? Don't immediately jump to, well, I'm never reaching out to them again because it's impossible to restore them to repentance. All right. Do you know what's really gone on in their heart? How much they've tasted or what they've fallen away? That, that's hard to say. Uh, And so I would encourage you not to be so quick to jump to, oh, well, this person, they were coming to church and now they're not, they must be one of these people who have fallen away. I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm just saying it's hard for us to know their hearts. And I think we should be very careful about writing off anyone as it being too late or impossible for them to be saved. From God's perspective, that may be true for some people, but we don't have God's perspective. We cannot see into people's minds and hearts. And so I think the best course of action for us is to continue to reach out to people with the good news of Jesus Christ and to remind them all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved and to repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ. So uh, it is an intense passage. There's a real warning here. There's a danger of tasting the things of Christ and then falling away from it. But let's be careful that we don't misapply that in ways of doubt or writing off other people. But now let's get more positively to our assurance. And there's some things here that I want to highlight for us. Because even at our church, and I think in our culture, in the United States of America, where so many people call themselves Christians, it's important to emphasize passages in the Bible that remind us faith without works is dead. Even the demons believe and tremble. And if you say you have fellowship with the Father, but you walk in darkness, you lie and do not practice the truth. Uh, our, our works can show, or really a lack of good works, a lack of fruit can show there has not been genuine conversion. But I think we need to be careful that we also don't go too far there uh, to say, well, what reason do you have for assurance? And the first thing we think of is, well, look at all that I've done. I think that is taking things on the kind of the, the 
other end of the pendulum swing to too far of a place. The ultimate grounds of our assurance as Christians is Jesus Christ and what he has done. And that's really what we see at the end of the chapter. The reason we can have confidence in our salvation is because of what Jesus did for us. And it talks about these two unchangeable things, referring to God's promise and God's oath, that it is impossible for God to lie. So we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So our assurance is ultimately grounded on this anchor, this anchor of assurance that we have that is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us, our great high priest. That is the ultimate ground of our assurance. Now, our works can help support that as we see in books like 1 John or James. They affirm, oh, I see God working in my life. But the first and foremost ground of our assurance is the truth of Jesus Christ and the fact that God keeps his promises. And so I want to encourage you with that today. And some of you may struggle a lot with assurance, and I hope this helps you. Some of you listening to this, you're saying, I don't really struggle with that. I have assurance of my salvation. Today, I want to encourage you, okay, if you have assurance, is it, as we often sing, is it blessed assurance? Has assurance become just an academic thing for you? Yeah, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Can, can you stop? And if we ever catch yourself saying, yeah, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. It's just this kind of, yeah, matter of fact way. Let us never lose the wonder that should accompany those statements. Yes, I am saved. Yes, I am confident that I am going to heaven. There is a sweetness and a joy that, that should come uh, through those things. And so I hope Hebrews 6 encourages you with those things today. Now let's go back to the book of Jeremiah, where we're looking at chapters 34 through 36 today. And we see, let me highlight especially some things in chapters 35 and 36. Chapter 35 can be confusing because you're seeing him affirm these people, the Rechabites, and they are doing things. And you're like, wait, does, does everybody have to do these things? Does everybody have to abstain from wine? And does everybody need to not build a house but continue to live in tents? Uh, Those aren't commanded things in the Bible, are they? Well, no, they're not. But the point is these Rechabites, they were more obedient to the traditions passed down to them by their father than the other people in Jerusalem and, and Judah were obedient to the commandments of God. Right, And it's holding these people up as an example. Look, they were faithful to what their father taught them. How are you disobedient to what God has commanded you. And so they are commended for their faithfulness to these traditions, not as if everybody had to obey these things, but it's saying this is a bad thing that, hey, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you have not obeyed 
God. And so it's holding them up as an example. And then you see in chapter 36, and one thing here that's confusing, chapter 34 is speaking of Zedekiah, who's the last king of Judah. And then we go back to Jehoiakim in chapter 36. Just a reminder, Jeremiah does not follow a strictly chronological pattern. He he jumps forward and backwards sometimes in how the book is recorded. So it jumps back to Jehoiakim, tells this story, and you can see some people are convicted by the words of Jeremiah. But when this scroll goes to the king, he rips it up and throws it in the fire. And so there we're reminded that even though God's work will, God's word will work on some, some people's hearts will be hardened. But also we see, does Jehoiakim throwing the words into the fire stop the word of God? No, it doesn't. Nothing can stop the word of God. So let that be a reason for you to approach God's word with amazement and expectancy this week. And may that be something even that encourages you with assurance today that nothing can stop the word of God. And that includes his promises. That includes his oaths. That includes what we see there in Hebrews 6. And I hope today you truly have blessed assurance based on this anchor that we have of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.